and let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for your word to us. And we ask that you would fill us again with your Holy Spirit. That you'd enable us to hear your voice. And know your love for us more deeply. Amen. Okay, so, again, you've got to love the lectionary, haven't you? We have these two passages, chosen by the church and set and put side by side. We've done the lost sheep uh, in Sunday school, we've done it in countless sermons. Uh, but today, we have it alongside, um, the time is coming when the Lord will say to the people of Jerusalem, my dear people, a burning wind is blowing in from the desert. It's not a gentle breeze, useful for winnowing grain. It's a roaring blast sent by me. Now I will pronounce your destruction. That's Sunday school worthy, isn't it? I'll have to have a chat with Erica about how we make a lesson based on a roaring, burning wind. This is the Old Testament. This is our God. This is the God of Jesus. This is the God we believe in. And it's a God who is very clear. These are his standards. The Ten Commandments. The law between him and his people, if they keep it, then he will care for them. He will protect them. He will look after their crops and their animals and their children. He will protect them in battle. It's very straightforward. And so you have a people who ignore him, who worship other gods, who focus on other things, who put their trust in other places. And having sent prophet after prophet after prophet saying, there are consequences to your actions. Unless you turn, disaster is going to overtake you because partly that's the natural consequence of dividing off into little subgroups and worshipping different gods rather than being united around one god and the worship and rituals he's given you but also I love you and it seems that the only way I can get your attention is when things go disastrously wrong so therefore guess what things are going to go disastrously wrong because you're not listening and so you have this passion with God saying enough I've tried to warn you I've tried to turn you around I've tried to direct you you will not listen and so I'm going to leave you to suffer the consequences and then we'll pick up the pieces afterwards this is our God a God of high standards a God of fierce anger and a God who does not change his nature. And alongside that, we have our gospel story, where Jesus tells the story of a sheep going missing. Now, the difficulty with the parable of the lost sheep is that most of us hear it through the prism of childhood and flannel graph and fluffy things like Sean the Sheep or um, was, who's the other, who's the, Timmy, Timmy Times the love on the CBeebies now, but sheep are fluffy and they're cute and they, they, they get themselves into lost places and oh bless, they just need to be rescued. And we have a fluffy God, a God who uh, dances across the fields to find this lost, lost lamb, 
scoop it into his arms and skip back to have a celebration with his friends. How do you get that, the Gospel God and the Old Testament God, how do we hold that together? How does that make any sense at all? And I think, albeit everything here is written in a, a Palestinian, a Middle Eastern context, the answer here is very British. The answer here is sarcasm. Because what you have is Jesus telling a story. And he's saying, right, so someone's got a hundred sheep. He's doing well, isn't he? Fantastic. But one of them, I have to illustrate this. This is Flossie. Flossie wanders off and gets lost. So you have a shepherd with one sheep missing and 99 still around him. And Jesus says, what would you do? Well, it's obvious, isn't it? You'll leave the 99 in the wilderness and you'll go off to find the one. At which point, everyone around Jesus laughs. Because he's a nutter. It just, he just said, you leave 99 sheep. A fortune an absolute fortune you would pass on to your children and your children's children. You're a man of stature, you have 99 sheep. You leave them in the wilderness. It's like leaving a tube of Smarties in a nursery class. They do not last. There's wolves, there's bears, there's no fences. Um, oh, Owen taught us that, that word for, taught me that word for um, when they're on the hillside and they know their place. They've got no industry. What's it called, Gavin? Hefted sheep. Hefted sheep who know their place and they don't leave it. They've not got that. That's not been developed yet. They can wander anywhere. So, an evangelist called Eric Bell, uh, who's based down in Kent, um, who I love, spoke about this, saying that we used to be toilet image of the brave shepherd marching out against the elements to find the sheep. And he described this shepherd going out leaving the lifetime in the wilderness, finding Flossie, putting Flossie over his shoulders, and going back. And then when he gets into town, saying, everyone, everyone, come have a party, look. I found my Flossie. And I can't do, I can't do what's compared to my kid, and, and the people in the village, they say to him, Jacob, didn't you have 100 this morning? At which point the shepherd says, something I'm going to be to the church. Because <laughs> he had a hundred, and now he has only Flossie. That's stupid. That's insane. That's laughable. Why on earth would anyone do that and then celebrate? This is not what anyone would do. And here is Jesus saying, this is your God. A God who loves people so much that he will do things that make no economic sense whatsoever. Now, in today's society, if you think about, if you take up 
or your possessions or uh, your pension portfolio. You know, everyone says, you know, if one, one bit fails, that's the point of having a balanced portfolio. If something crashes, you can let it go, something else will have done better and that will, that will compensate. You can write it off. Uh, or you'd say, if you've got 100 assets and one wanders off, then you can write it off against tax. That's, that's a taxable loss. And so that comes out of your profits, and so therefore you pay less tax to tax man because, well, one sheet wandered off, what are you going to do? There, there must be a, a hundred ways that accountants have worked out how to make one sheet wandering off leave with 101 rather than, 100, rather than 99 sheet. That's what we do these days. God's economics here says 99, who cares? That one. Where we think that one has gone. And so therefore, my response is to go. I, I have no choice. Forget them. I'm not even thinking about them. I'm just coming direct to find my philosophy. And then I will carry the sheep back. Carry. Carry. Do you know how much sheep weigh? <laughs> you know, adult sheep. We're talking, you know, probably about the same as me. Because they're just all, all bullens and muscles and horns and stuff. To put that on your shoulders, you know, that, that's, that's serious sort of world's strongest man stuff. And then he goes home. Now, the thing is, the way um, the promised land is set out, the, the, the farming land is beautiful, that George Paddy is great, but where they graze the sheep, it's all hills and mountains and broken stones and all sorts of stuff. So you're trying to do that, you're trying to go down hills, you're trying to walk on screen, you're trying to negotiate this, all the while you've got this fat, furry thing bleating in your ear, weighing you down, and everyone's struggling to escape. Because it doesn't know what's going on, and doesn't quite doesn't like being up on the shoulders, it wants to be down. That's why shepherds got a crook. So they can have coffee down there and they go, get on. Charlie, can't you borrow this? Because sheep are stupid. She wants to get somewhere. You beat it. Because it knows you don't want to go where the stick is. That's how it works. That's what a shepherd does. You don't pick the stinking thing up and carry it anywhere. It's insane. And Jesus says, this is your now this has, this is followed up by this story of the woman who has ten silver coins uh, and loses one and sweeps the entire house. Now there are a couple of scholars who've got a couple of different interpretations. One is you say the, the, the word coin, um, say for the Greek it's ten drachmas, so it's about, about day's wages. But these, this is a woman, and when a woman gets married in the Middle East, they are presented with a dowry. And normally that would be coins on a chain that she would wear around her neck. Now women at this time are property. They cannot own anything themselves. Their father's own property, of which they are part, and then they are transferred to their husband's property. But when the husband pays the dowry, that belongs to the woman. That's all she owns. She's not allowed to own anything else. But the dowry, that is for you. And so 
Imagine this, she has these 10 coins on a chain and one slips off and bounces away under a dresser or a table. It's not just a day's wages, that's one tenth of everything she has. Everything she is allowed to have and she's lost one tenth. And so she's down on her knees, she's searching, she's scrabbling. The equivalent, I think, would probably be my mother-in-law uh, and her engagement ring. She has a very bulky engagement ring, a beautiful engagement ring, but a bulky engagement ring. So she takes it off when she's doing the dishes. She takes it off when she's having a bath. She takes it off when she's doing DIY. She takes it off when she's... And so Ali will tell you there's a number of occasions when she and her sister have been rounded up saying, quick, help me find my ring before your dad knows. And the mother and daughters will search the house to find this ring, going, well, what were you doing? What do you last remember? When did you last remember having it on? And to find it, because it's precious. Before the father realises it's gone. What do, you, what do you mean you took it off? So you have again, this is our God. And the parallel has gone from being a stupid shepherd to being a woman. <laughs> Someone who can't even speak in court you can't trust a woman. Our God is a woman who has lost a tenth of all she has and is desperately searching to find it. Now for Jesus' hearers, they were used to the God of Jeremiah. Their history was, we follow God, we're okay. We turn away from God, we're not okay. We don't mix with other countries, other peoples, because it goes wrong. So now in Jesus' time, that's become, we do not mix with sinners. We don't mix with anyone who takes us away with God. And so their gaze has gone from being about worshipping God and him alone to being about who is a threat. Who here could stop us being close to God? Who here could bring down the destruction of God on us by leading us away from the worship of the one true God? They've stopped looking at God because well, the, he's not the important bit. We know what he does. We know what he's like. He is a fierce, burning, destroying wind. What we need to do is stop any of these getting close to us and taking us away from God and causing that destruction, that pain from happening again. And in that context, Jesus says no. Yes, God is fierce. Yes, God demands to be holy. Yes, God demands that you worship him and him alone. But can I tell you, this is your God. A shepherd so enamoured with each sheep that when one's gone, he will forget the other 99 to go grab it and he will carry it home on his shoulders until it is back and he can celebrate with his friends. Your God is a woman who has lost a tenth of all she has, who will search everywhere and they call her friends to celebrate when she finds it. This is your God which is why they had such a problem with him. <laughs> because that's not a most high God. A most high God is not a stupid shepherd. A most high God is certainly not a woman. That's not holy, either of those pictures. And Jesus says, 
you've lost sight of what God is like. You've got one picture that you've stuck with. And it was a true picture, it's a biblical picture. But you need to hold that alongside the picture of God's passion for all people. God's just mind-blowing love for everyone, especially those who are on the outside, especially those who are not invited, especially those who are left out. His heart that they know they are loved and given the opportunity to come back to be with him is just overwhelming. So for us, we are challenged this morning about our picture of God. Is our picture of God the roaring, burning wind who brings destruction because that's what we deserve? Or is he someone who loves us so much that he abandons everything to come after us? That he goes on hands and knees as someone who is not even a proper person in that society to find what is lost. That's how much he loves us. That's also how much he loves everybody out there. Those in our family who don't know him. Those on our high street who still haven't heard who Jesus is. That's how much God loves them. That he abandons dignity. He abandons honour and respect and how people see him because that person and his love for them is the most important thing. Now, we've been praying over the summer. We, we always pray as a church. Uh, and again before PCC on Monday night. And there's been a sense of God saying to us, bless you. I love you. You need to change. I am going to change you so that you're in a new shape and so that you're a better fit for what I'm doing. That's what he said. And so we're now praying and talking and thinking about what that means. In the context of PCC, it was about how we move forward as a church. We're four congregations. And for some people, you don't know people at the other services. You, don't, you haven't met them. You, you don't know what they're like. Um, you just know they worship in a different language to you. Other people have got to know people and there's, kind of, there's links and there's relationships. There's a sense of, as we grow, as we think about St James in five years, ten years, fifteen years, twenty years, is our current way of doing church with four separate services in three or more different languages, is that the way we carry on? And I'm telling you this now because this is, the, this is our starting point. Is we felt God say, I'm going to make changes, I'm going to change you. But I don't know what that looks like. My assurance for you is that nothing changes in a week. As PCC, we're talking about what does church look like? What does St James look like in 2018, in 2019? If we were rebuilding the church, there'd be uh, plans out, there'd be consultations, we'd have people come in, architects come and talk to us about what we do. 
And we will do a similar thing. We'll ask advice from the bishop and from others about how other churches are organising themselves, are worshipping when there are different languages and cultures in that church, when there's people outside who don't speak the same language as us. What are the ways we can move forward? And as we know more, as God tells us more, we'll share it together. It will all be shared at PCC. But what we do know is the God who is shaping us is a God who runs after Flossie. A God who searches for those who are lost. A God whose love for us is overpowering. And so in such a way that it should draw us into searching along with him for those who are lost. Like I said, next week, next month, next year, you won't notice any difference here. But there are conversations going on, there are people praying about what is God calling us to be? How is God reshaping us as St James? By all means, speak to Sandra, who's on PCC. Sandra, PCC yourself in April. Because it's something that we do together as a whole church. Trusting that our God loves us. Wants the best for us. And wants the best for all those who don't yet know him. Let's pray and ask that he guides us and strengthens us in the years to come. Almighty God, we thank you that you are the good shepherd. That you are a woman who searches for a coin. Sweeping the entire house until it's found. Lord, we are overwhelmed that you searched for us. That we have been found by you and that we have known something of your great love for us. We ask that you continue to grow our knowledge of that love. And that you help us as individuals and as a church to discern more and more how you are shaping us to reveal that love to those who are lost. We ask this in Jesus' name and for his sake.